Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Note History Podcast. My name is Christina. I am the show's creator and host. I am a fourth year BA history student, and I'll be talking about historical events that I will be studying over the next year. The next four episodes are going to be covering the classes that I took related to the European conquest of the New World, as well as the Civil War and Reconstruction. So the episodes are going to be split in two, since I will be talking about two different time periods in North America. One of the most important things I've learned while studying history is that everybody has their own perspective. Everyone is biased, including me, and people's opinions of things are formed through experiences that they've had in their lives. So it's important to keep that in mind, especially when discussing sensitive topics like the ones that I'm going to be discussing. The Europeans arriving in North America, the impact it had on the lives of Native Americans and then the American Civil War. These are all very touchy subjects and I just want everyone to keep an open mind and keep in mind that everybody has different perspectives on things. One of the first things I learned as a history major is about the different lenses that you can view historical events through. An example is the American Civil War. You can look at it from a political lens. You can look at it from a financial lens. You can look at it from a societal lens. So there's one event and multiple lenses that you can view that event through. All right, so let's get into the episode. Any and all source information is going to be listed in the show notes. If you want to talk about the episode or have any questions, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at the Note History Podcast. Due to limited written records prior to European arrival, estimates for the number of inhabitants of North America varies wildly. Scholars estimate between 8 million and hundreds of million indigenous people in North America prior to European arrival. Indigenous tribes were prevalent throughout North America, and the misconception that tribes were sparse and that people were few and far in between is being combated by sources like the article entitled The Pristine Myth, The Landscape of the Americas in 1492 by William Denovan. The article examines the myth that the Americas were a wilderness devoid of human presence prior to European settlement and goes on to claim that America was a vast country and that there were many different types of tribes. So the notion that Native Americans were all generally alike is false. There were at least 200 different tribes and they spoke a minimum of 200 different languages. The tribes were organized in different ways. There were tribes that were organized in a more traditional way when we think of a government, for example, the government of the United States, where the chief would act as the president and would be the head of the tribe, and his cabinet would be made up of elders or his family members. There were also other tribes that were organized where they would be led by a matriarch or patriarch that would lead the tribe. Styles would vary from tribe to tribe. The article goes on to say that there is a good argument to be made that human presence was less visible in 1750 than it was in 
1492. The article details how the Native Americans were utilizing the land and the natural resources. They would create grasslands in a number of different ways, including brush clearing, which was burning of the land to make room. There were tribes that cultivated crops and there were tribes that did not. And some tribes would use the forest to have materials for housing. While there were Native Americans that chose to live in harmony with the land, at the same time, they would be utilizing natural resources. The article links to a source, which is from the Smithsonian, and it is a study that reveals the environmental impact of American Indian farms centuries before Europeans arrived in North America. That article goes on to say that evidence gathered from sediments along the Delaware River in Pennsylvania is being used to revise theories about the land use by Native Americans and the impact that they had on their environment. The study is conducted by scientists from the Smithsonian, the Center for American Archaeology, Baylor University, and Temple University. The study shows that, quote, colonial era Europeans were clearly not the first people to have an impact on the waterways in North America, end quote. And that is said by the archaeologist Timothy Messner of the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. Messner goes on to say that widespread sedimentation caused by intensive settlement and maize farming in the Delaware Valley began around 500 years before European settlers arrived. And he goes on to say that this was not just happening along the Delaware, but most likely all over North America. They go on to reference a article from the journal Geology. In that source, scientists studied an eight foot deep cutaway of soil and sediments, also in Eastern Pennsylvania at the Raymond Skill Creek in Delaware. Messner and his colleagues noticed a distinct increase in deposits laid around a thousand years ago and at 1100 they were quote unquote off the charts so in the 500 years before european settlers arrived in north america the delaware river valley saw a 150 percent increase in the number of native american settlements and that is something that has been determined by these different studies around the delaware river valley the next source i'm going to be referencing is a map of the united states of america currently and you're able to click on the different states and see which tribes were prevalent in those areas. So today I'm going to be discussing two tribes. I chose one from the eastern part of the United States and one from the western part of the United States. The first tribe I'm going to be talking about is from the eastern part of the United States and it is called the Tequesta tribe. It is spelled with either a Q or a K and the Tequesta inhabited an area that is now southern Florida, specifically Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade counties. They were second in power and prominence among the small tribes of the east coast of Florida and they had a main town as well as four smaller villages between them and the next tribe to the north. The Tequesta were hunter-gatherers who lived in villages for a greater part of the year, although they may have lived in the open. Bishop Diaz Vera Calderon in 1675 wrote that the tribes in South Florida had no fixed abodes. What huts they did have were probably covered with palmetto thatch. Keep in mind that prior to European arrival, there are very little written historical records about Native Americans, so after Diaz arrived 
and wrote about his experiences in 1675 is where we get the information about the Tequesta tribe. Diaz also wrote in letters back home that the tribes in South Florida had no fixed abodes, which meant that they were nomadic and their food supply came from the sea since they were in such close proximity. The Tequesta consumed deer, fish, alligators, turtle, turtles, shellfish, as well as plants and roots. They would use canoes to get around and they also traveled great distances to find manatees or other large marine animals. The Tequesta were a smaller tribe and they were able to sustain themselves with smaller amounts of food and resources compared to other tribes in the region. The other tribe I want to talk about is from the west coast of the United States and it is the Cocopa tribe. It is either spelled with or without an H at the end. Prior to European arrival, they inhabited the area that is now California. However, they are still an active Native American tribe and they are now in Arizona. The Cocopa tribe was organized into a social structure and they made their homes called earth homes out of square wooden frames with clay and thatched with grass. According to the About Us section in the Cocopa Indian Tribes website, the Cocopa or Quapa, also known as the River People, have lived along the lower Colorado River and Delta. For centuries, the Cocoa people described as generous and non-materialistic and have maintained their traditional and cultural beliefs through the various political environments and ever-changing landscapes. The Cocopa Indian tribe is one of seven descendant tribes from the greater human language-speaking people who occupied lands along the Colorado River. Cocopa tribal ancestors also lived along the lower Colorado River region near the River Delta and the Gulf of California. The Cocopa people had no written language. However, historical records were passed on orally and interpreted in documents written by outside visitors. When Don Juan de Onate and Father Escobar sailed up the river, there were estimated to be about six to 7,000 Cocopa people living along the Delta and the Lower Colorado River. Fellow travelers such as Father Kino, Father Garces, fur trapper James O. Pat, military men, and ethnographers kept colorful records from 1540 to 1917. So next episode, we are going to get into life after European arrival. But for now, we are going to move forward in time to talk about the time prior to the Civil War. Inauguration Day, March 4th, 1865. Yes, inauguration used to take place in March back in the 1800s. President Abraham Lincoln was being sworn into his second term. He was first elected on March 4th, 1861 as a new president that was untied. And now, four years later, the country had chosen him a second time as his chief executive. Abraham Lincoln's oath of office was to, quote, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, end quote. However, by the time of his second inauguration, seven of the states had recently renounced their attachment to the Constitution by seceding from the Union. Also, they had already organized a rival government, elected a rival president, and demanded that any of the property within their boundaries be returned to them at once. Lincoln refused, and war was soon to follow. The rebel states insisted that they were now an independent country with a right to determine their own future. Lincoln 
asserted that they were only insurgents who had to be suppressed, just like any other treasonous coup d'etat. Lincoln said that there were three fundamental causes that had pushed the United States towards civil war. The first was the fact that the United States had been organized since its birth as a union made up of differing states, all part of one government. Lincoln said that factor and the way the United States are made up is what led to war. The second reason was ever since there had been voices within certain states arguing that the union was a bad bargain and ought to be terminated, it was doomed. Back in 1861, Lincoln was devoted to saving the union without war. The last reason was issues within the Constitution as it stood at that time because it created a confusing and cumbersome system for electing a national president. The Constitution did not specify who was permitted to vote for the president and the eligibility of voters was a question that was left to the individual states. That factor led to bickering between the states and their differing opinions. As late as the 1830s, the United States acted more like a league rather than a single country country made up of individual compact states, and the Constitution was still regarded as experimental and was not embraced for its practicality. A source that I'm going to be linking in the show notes is the website called The Valley of the Shadow, and it is a project that details the life in the two Americas between the northern and the southern states. It is from the time of John Brown's raid through the era of Reconstruction. When you first enter the Valley of the Shadow site, they're all broken up in two specific eras. The first is called the Eve of War, the second is the War Years, and the third is the Aftermath. Starting at the eve of war, which is the fall of 1859 and goes through the spring of 1861, there are different timetables and events that you can search. Something that caught my attention happened on May 31st, 1861, and it is an event where women met to organize a hospital for sick soldiers. In 1865, which is the beginning of Abraham Lincoln's second presidency, there are events from the Confederacy as well as the Union. The Confederacy is the southern part of the United States and the states that seceded from the Union, and the north is the Union. There is not an exact line through the middle of the country. However, for the most part, the southern states were in the Confederacy and for slavery, and the northern states were looking to abolish slavery. Not everybody from the south was for slavery, and not everybody from the north was against slavery. The Union was interested in abolishing slavery because it went against language within the Constitution, and the Southern states were not because they depended on slave labor for their financial stability. However, there was fault on both sides. Abraham Lincoln met with African American leaders in an attempt to get them to immigrate back to Africa. Now, immigrate is spelled different than immigrate with an I, and it means to return to a country of origin. So Abraham Lincoln was looking to solve what he calls a problem by sending black people back to a country that they had not resided in for hundreds of years at that point. There is a question of if the North and South went to war with each other because of slavery, but it is because of slavery. Some of the arguments that you may hear is states' rights, but when you ask 
what specific state's rights or state right is being referenced. It is the right to have and expand the institution of slavery. So that's it for this first episode. The first episode is short and sweet. We are just getting to know our topics. And next week, the episode will be a lot longer. It will go into a lot more depth since we're going to be talking about the time after Europeans arrived and we're going to get into some events that led directly to the Civil War. To quickly recap this episode, we talked about Native American life prior to European arrival. Also, that there is new evidence through the study of sediments that shows that Native Americans made an impact on their environment prior to European arrival. Also, the notion that all Native Americans are generally alike is false. During those studies, they were able to determine that there were at least 200 different tribes that spoke a minimum of 200 different languages. I spoke about two tribes specifically one from the east coast of the United States and one from the west. I spoke about the Tequesta tribe and the Cocopa tribe. Then we fast forwarded to the time before the Civil War and talked about Lincoln's second inauguration and the state of the country once he was being sworn in for the second time. By his second inauguration, several states had seceded from the Union and were claiming territory as well as their right to keep and expand the institution of slavery. I hope you guys will join me next episode. It was such a pleasure to speak with everybody today. I will talk to you guys then. Bye.